0: Hi, I'm Nina Enders. I'm Anna Tonk. Welcome to How to Be Human, a podcast that explores the common and often confusing themes of humanness. In this episode, Anna and I discuss vulnerability. Take a seat, clear your mind, and let's chat. Hello, hello. That's my new thing, apparently. I wish I had. I mean, it's probably good that I don't, but I wish... That I had air horns because I was like, oh, God. Pow, pow, pow. <laughs> We're well, back. My, Milo's new, newest obsession is
1: watching music videos, which makes me incredibly happy. But the new, his favorite is Beyonce, who runs the world. So we've been listening to that, which I'm pretty sure there's an air horn in it at some point for like days. He's like, I wanna watch Beyonce again. I wanna watch Beyonce again.
0: And you're like, Milo, welcome. We all just wanna watch. Beyonce world?
1: <laughs> that's really, really cute. It's pretty damn cute. He's very tired today, but yes, incredibly cute. Aren't we all? Yeah. I mean, that's just the name of the end of summer
0: game. I'm so ready for a new season. Oh my God. You can feel it crackling in the air. I yes. feel like. Great description. Yeah. You can feel it. I think everybody's a bit ready for it. i don't know if this happens to you the end of summer too like i hate all my clothes as well like i just feel like i've already put my sweaters in my closet <laughs> exactly yeah i'm just like ugh. like they i organized just, yesterday yeah. yeah i just feel like everything this is weird but I, and i don't know if it's just because summer is like messier in a way i just feel like everything's like dirty and yucky and i just want you know yeah, cold want, like... air and yes. no humidity <laughs>
1: yes exactly things to be like mildewy, like, no. So, what are we talking about today? I have so much to say. I, spoiler alert, I already know what we're talking about today. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know if it's a spoiler (laughs) when you're a co creator. Oh my god! (laughs) She's like, FYI, all I I need to let you know, I know what it is.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, I just feel the need to be honest. I've been watching a lot of Bachelorette reruns, so I'm like, you guys have to just be honest. Like, you know, you're starting a relationship; it's gonna be like in eight weeks, you have to decide. I'm <laughs> um, very, very, very aware of being honest in this relationship.
0: That's really, really <laughs> funny. That is so, oh. very funny. So <laughs> we're talking about vulnerability and I have a definition for you and oh, the quality of or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physically or emotionally. Oh, I, forgot that was the, I forgot that was the definition. Same. And again, I was hit by that. And I was curious. I mean, we've talked about this before and I mean, there's no better time than now to talk about it again, but, is that what you thought vulnerability was? Cuz it's definitely not what I thought vulnerability was.
1: No, and I was thinking today this morning about this podcast and how the definition may have changed since we did one for Soul, you know, months yeah. ago or whatever. And just how many different definitions there are, right? And I didn't remember that specific part of the definition, but what I was thinking about was the part of us that's like open we're talking about vulnerability as openness and you know trusting and like putting your heart out there all of which I agree with and you know try to do and then there's the other side of the coin where it's like vulnerable populations and people yeah. who are exposed and people who don't have enough resources and people who are oppressed and so I was just thinking about the duality of the definition and how so often especially in this crazy shit show of a wellness quotes around wellness space. It's
0: funny. Before you said the quotes, I sent the quotes. <laughs> <laughs> quotes. It was like an italics in your voice. I appreciated that.
1: We don't talk a lot. There is not a lot of conversation. We talk as much as we can about it, but there's not a lot of conversation about the latter. It's like, be vulnerable, but just I like uh, trust, trust. And something I want to talk about today is you know which we'll get into is like this narrative right now that you must trust love instead of fear which is mostly bullshit in my opinion but to answer your question i do not think of it through that lens but i feel that when you say that like i feel yeah that in my body
0: you know a couple months ago i did free Royshan's writing with vulnerability in mine and it's been interesting for me to realize That I need to update my own perspective around vulnerability for myself because I mean, a few years ago, I was like, gross, hate vulnerability, not interested, not into (laughs) it. Miss me vulnerability. Yeah, miss miss me with that, you know? (laughs) And like, and, and so I started to figure it out because, and my friend Juliana says to me all the time when I'm like talking to her about stuff, she's like, Vulnerability is the pathway to what you seek, you know, and I'm like gross, but yes, you're right. So gross, but it was when reading this definition and seeing like the possibility of being attacked or harmed that I was like, Oh that articulates what that resistance is you know yeah. it's not so much that i'm not vulnerable or don't know how to be vulnerable but it gave language for me to why i fear it so much because i've come from a background of like i mean i'm not a hugely filtered person for better or worse and i now it like makes more sense to me because i think constantly like within my family or like you know more toxic friend groups i had when i was younger i would be kind of like a role I've really played is being sort of like the one pointing stuff out, going like, that seems fucked up, you know, and it didn't always go well. And no. I've also always been really intuitive. So I'd be kind of like, that person seems sad or that da 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 And everyone was like, you know, and so I'm like, oh, no wonder I started to shut down and no wonder I started to really feel that physically as such a fear because I actually have been pretty good about being aware of vulnerable populations. And when researching the definition for us, what was interesting to me besides just the dictionary. There we go. Definition. Of, woof. Pandemies just made me so dumb. The book. The, I go, book, the book with the words. Book. It, it's the book. It has lots of words in it, it tells you what those words mean. The Bible. <laughs> That's my other book. Um, that is the <laughs> book. Um, so. It was interesting to me that what kept coming up, which is, this is just random, but three things kept coming up. Either the literal definition or the like four categories of vulnerability in relation to summer storms, which was interesting. And it was at the top of the Google algorithm and Brene Brown. And I, oh God, here we are. (laughs) <laughs> well, I know, but I mean, vulnerability is a huge piece of her work. The no, TED I talk it's she did is massive. Th- and thank massive. God. For and thank but God for the intersection from reading some of her stuff, I have a quote from her that I would like to read is also the intersection between vulnerability and perfectionism was really interesting to me. And I thought like, it's so interesting. This one word can apply to so many different things. And it's, it's kind of like, it's either a pathway to like your freedom and liberation or your devastation. Have at it y'all, you know, I was like, what? you know, so I was reading this interview with her about it. And like, I think this interview came out roughly when the Ted talk did, which the Ted talks pretty old, you know, and people kind of forget like Brene Brown didn't really start to be in our consciousness until like 2011, which I think is kind of interesting as well. So, She's a researcher. She's a scientist. And so, like, it's interesting for me. Someone can be so emotional and empathetic, but is like a scientist, which is... Well, I think that's why she's so special. Right? I agree. And interesting in these times when it's like science and empathy seem to be having a real clash. So she said, vulnerability is basically uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. I was raised in a get done and suck it up family and culture, very Texan-German-American. The tenacity and... grit part of that upbringing has served me, but I wasn't taught how to deal with uncertainty or how to manage emotional risk. Mm. I spent a lot of years trying to outrun or outsmart vulnerability by making things certain and definite, black and white, good and bad. My inability to lean into the discomfort of vulnerability limited the fullness of those important experiences that are wrought with uncertainty, love, belonging, trust. Joy and creativity to name a few. Learning how to be vulnerable has been a street fight for me, but it's been worth it. The difficult thing is that vulnerability is the first thing I look for in you and the last thing I'm willing to show you. Mm. In you, it's courage and daring. In me, it's weakness. <sighs> Thanks, she fucked me up with that. I know. Yeah.
1: I think she's brilliant. Like, let's be clear. I'm I'm more joking that. Yeah. She's like your person.
0: Well, she just gives language to these like incredibly complex things. Like I'll read it and I'm like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's it. You know, and I think her processed honesty is so just interesting to me, you know, and I was thinking about that, of that idea of us wanting to outsmart it us like not learning how to manage emotional risk. Emotional risk, I don't know about you, that lit my brain up. It was like neon. Agreed. What is emotional risk to you? Ooh, I would say maybe that it used to maybe be I cared a lot and I felt Maybe out of control because of that care. So I was like, Oh, like if, if this doesn't work <laughs> out or this doesn't, you know, like it was very agitating, but I think now emotional risk for me has changed and it's maybe more about energy, about, am I going to get back? what feels reciprocal to the energy or emotion I've put into this Mm. maybe. Yeah, But I think I've learned how to sit with it, but I understood what she was saying because I did not want to take any emotional risk. I would say for my entire twenties and part of my thirties of being like, and I'm curious what you define as emotional risk, but then I'm also curious because of what we do for a living, I feel like something I bump up against a lot with clients is their unwillingness to take emotional risk.
1: I actually can't work with people who can't, and I and I don't oh, say that. No, yeah. and I really don't say that in a rude way. I just no. my work doesn't work. You know what I mean? It just falls pretty flat if you're just talking And also like there, let me be clear, like there are varying degrees of that, right? If you're trying, then of course I'm like a hundred percent in, but I think if you're closed, you know, and I think about this in Reiki and I, or when I'm doing readings, of course, like Reiki will get in to some degree, but if you don't let me in, that's the emotional risk, right? This container is safe, I believe. And I hope you believe if you're here sitting with me and if you can't open up to that to a certain degree, then we really can't get very far. So I just find that it would be a waste of actually their time. And it's happened only a few times with me where I'm like, this isn't going to resonate. Like, you're just not ready, you know, and that's okay. I wasn't ready for a long time, you know. Yeah. We
0: don't always get a say in our readiness, you know, just because I know you're talking from that perspective, but I just want to offer that to anyone. Like trauma makes your readiness, not always your choice.
1: Amen. Like it is not something that I judge someone for in any way, shape or form. When I say I won't work with them, I mean out of respect for them and myself, right? Yeah. Because I think a lot of times in this space, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, like I'll just, you know, I, I see people do it all the time where they just have clients, you know, like therapists who work with clients for years and years and years and years and years. And maybe that person doesn't necessarily feel like they're getting, you know, what they need or they're, they're oh, this is kind of like, you know, a chore for me. For me, that's like when it feels like it's done for now, you know, or it's not going to get where it needs to go. And I think that's true in any sort of dynamic, like love, relationship, work in that close of proximity the work whatever work you're doing you have to take a certain amount of risk emotionally if you're doing something you know that personal right and it used to be for me my definition used to be I think close and similar to yours where it was I always felt like I cared the most and that was something I loved about myself, but also something that I hated about myself because I felt like I always got hurt the most. And then I would just, you know, kind of put out that like tough exterior and be like, oh no, I'm good. Like it's fine. But I would be in a lot of pain. And now emotional risk is a lot for me of who do I want to let in and how will that affect me and my family? How will that affect my day to day, you know, like, what is this worth? And I don't mean that in that people or things aren't worthy. I mean, for me, and for all of us, we have to have a certain, you know, set of boundaries or limitations. Otherwise, I think the emotional risk we actually do want to take, don't get taken sometimes because we're so just drained,
0: right? Yeah, I think I've had a really fresh reminder in that, to be honest, Like a year ago, I had a bunch of shit go down with my family and my beloved dog died. And I had a lot of heartbreak, to be honest, and heartbreak that wasn't related to romantic love. And it did things to me and it made me be vulnerable and in this different way. And it made me really big time call my energy back to myself and doing that and being really focused on myself and really, really mindful about where I gave my energy and who I gave it to and how much of it, just because I was just like not in a great place. Like I just didn't have a lot to go around. I had a lot on my plate. And it was bringing up a lot of old stuff, which, you know, is like always super cool when you're going through like kind of a trauma to have like the ghost of trauma's past come visit. And it's just like, oh my God, can it ever just be one thing? Nope. The the universe says no deal. And it taught me so much about vulnerability. And it really taught me a lot about how vulnerability Your tolerance can be built like through your creativity as well. And the more I kept using creativity as a way to move through my vulnerability and like talk about the things I wanted to talk about, you know, create more of this space because. I realized that we started... Bridget Jordan and I started doing Dead Parents Club when you and I decided to partner. Like, I had all these things. So you're
1: saying I changed really?
0: <laughs> you did, though. <laughs> you did. And making that decision and my kind of going fuck it, you never know what's going to happen. I can, you know, go over and over and over again, I can really be managing my emotional risk or whatever, or living a life that's based upon managing my emotional risk, basically, versus cultivating my ability to be vulnerable. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I want more of that. Yeah. And flipping that, it's changed my life. You know, like I wrote my bio for our dead parents club. That's podcast is coming and we have a guest packet. It's made me have a whole new appreciation also for this podcast because it's much simpler. But if you like hearing me talk, get ready. You're going to get to hear me talk more. Exciting for everyone. <laughs> and it was interesting seeing because I had to write this whole new book bio that's like not just I'm a tarot reader you know and it was kind of the first time I'd seen this sort of like new identity that's been baking for like the past few months you know it was like the first time like I caught up to it if that makes sense it makes complete
1: sense and I feel like I'm in a very different way running parallel to that so I completely understand what you're saying I was was it's
0: funny I meant to send it to you because I was like And I told Jordan and Bridget, I was like, wow, this is like the first time I'm really like seeing it, you know, and the first time I'm really kind of speaking to it. And those things can, I think, sound a bit pretentious, but... I think when you work for yourself as well, like you're really aware of how you're orienting yourself in the world. You know, I mean, I feel differently being partnered with you and with soul like that, I think feels I think I do feel a lot safer to be creative and vulnerable and things like that, because there's some protection of it. You're not alone. It's harder, I think, for me, when I'm on my own, like, you're the worker, you're the talent, you're customer service, you're billing, you, you know, you're all these things. So I think I was always like managing that emotional risk of being like, I want to be so clear. So if someone says something or da, 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 you know, I don't want to have to deal with it or something. I don't know. I don't really know what was completely feeling that. But it's funny when you said, I felt like I always cared the most. That was a big thing I realized last fall. Like, especially in the context of my family, I felt like I was the one who cared the most. And I was the one who cared the most about repairing our family. Mm. And really, I realized that was never my job. And what I really needed to do was care the most about myself. And all of those things getting like put in the right categories just like it frees up so much I don't know it's just wild it frees up
1: so you can actually feel it I mean I can I mean the we right I was moving today and I've been, since I got out of the hospital, which was, you know, obviously like very brief, but since I came back, I haven't been on my spin bike at all, which sounds like a ridiculous thing.
0: No, that surprises me about you, to be honest.
1: Yeah. So this sounds like utterly ridiculous, but it's not. I hated spin forever. Like I thought people who did it were kooks. And when I I had, had my son, I needed to leave the house once for an hour and I was like, you know, one of my clients was like, I think you really will like spin. I'm like, oh, I don't think I will, but, <laughs> but I went <laughs> and I booked the private, like a true spoiled brat. I was like, I'll just do a private spin class so I don't have to be emotionally risky. That's so funny. <laughs> yes, I didn't even I was, know that was a
0: possibility. Well,
1: it is in like a small you know, yeah. town. Right. And so I booked a private and, she was like she, when she told me to stand up. I was like, "Huh? What now?" And <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, sorry, legitimately I'm on was, a bike. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Bitch, I'm on a bike." I don't. Maybe you're new here. No, I was like, I can't <laughs> d- stand up. And I mean, I'm in very good shape. I obviously wasn't like in killer shape when I just pushed a baby out of my body, but I <laughs> I was, and I was terrified to do it. And I did it. And I was like, okay, that was kind of awful. And I want to puke. But it really did something for me and opened me up to like the physical. I was never an athlete. Like I tried because, you know, all my friends played field hockey in high school. So I was like, yeah, I'll fucking do that. And then I just ended up getting thrown out of the games for being a lunatic, and I was like, I maybe mean, sports, organized sports, aren't for me. <laughs> and I, <laughs> <laughs> but my point in saying this is that my body, which has been, you know, the reason I got into this work is because of my body and the breakdown of my body and the the abuse in my body and all these things that I really wanted to heal, but I was still like not confident. In my body, and I wasn't confident in the way it looked in certain ways, and I wasn't confident in the way it felt and the way I felt moving. And I grew up in, you know, Connecticut, like I said, and and people were so super athletic. It's just so weird, like they. It's just like they popped out of the womb with this like athleticism, and I'm like, what? And so, (laughs) just you're like, what
0: class did
1: I? I know, apparently, all of them. (laughs) And so when I came back from. The hospital. So when I start, then I got really into spin, right? And it like got the fire going, and I have enough fire, but it really helped me through the winter and the pandemic and a lot, like a couple winters. When I got back from the hospital, I was like, "Your body does not need this right now. Your body is literally begging you to get back on your mat, to be calm, to like bring it all in and strengthen from the deepest part of you outward, instead of just like getting on a bike." which is amazing but like just like sweating and like up and down now I'm like can't sit my ass down on a spin bike right and it just for me has been such a a weird but like symbolic thing and stepping away from it for a while was just I need to take care of myself and that feels like an out for me and so how that relates to vulnerability I feel like is Spinning just kept me like fiery, you know? And today I was moving and I felt so vulnerable and I felt so open and I was doing so much more around my heart space and I was listening to my music and I felt like really emotional, which is how I usually feel when I do my own practice. And I was like, ah, okay, yes, I do need this type of work right now, right? So there's so many different layers, right? It can be in relationship where you want to be right sometimes. Another thing that I do that I'm realizing, which is really hard for me to admit and also work through, is how I am with my kid. Like I am so scared sometimes that something's going to happen to him that I just, I know I'm really working on being vulnerable, but also being like letting him be free. Yeah, it's really,
0: really, really hard. It's yeah. so
1: hard. When I first met my husband, I, every time he left the house, I thought he was going to die, like literally. And that is trauma. You know, that is yeah. trauma. And
0: do you, and you think I, that comes from your parents being divorced? Or do you think it's just like garden variety trauma?
1: Oh, my God. I love that you just said garden variety trauma. Can I use that and quote you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, garden variety. Can I tattoo that on my ass? <laughs> what is
0: mine is yours. Garden <laughs>
1: variety <laughs> trauma. No, I don't want to tattoo that. Uh, but, but no, I honestly don't care that my parents got divorced. And I mean, I did when I was little, for sure. But yeah, but I mean... I do care. That's not true. Yeah. I, care. I would hate it if they were together. Let me be very clear about that. It would Well, have been
0: I think that's the complexity of some exactly. of that
1: stuff. Fucking miserable. But I do... Like, knowing that my family is so tight and, of course, things happen. But I really believe in the structure of my family. And and I my parents had certainly broke down by this point. Like, way before they had a kid... But definitely, once they had me, it was just like done. Yeah, and then sense. they waited like you know nine
0: years, which <laughs> is a long time. <laughs> we'll turns around. I mean, seriously. <laughs> but you know, it's been so interesting hearing my mom review her tape, and it's wild. It's so wild because part of me is like, yes, tell me, you know, and the other part of me is like, it's so hard to let your parents like be a a person, you know, and like an individual and to take yourself out of it. Cause like, you know, uh, I can listen for a while and inevitably I'm baby fires, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that that was like your take on that. You know, like it's just can be so interesting, but you know, she's like, cause she's asking herself a lot of really difficult questions and I'm not going to get too into it. However, it's questions I have not heard her ask, you know, herself, it let, not in my company and about topics. I, To my knowledge, she has not asked herself, you know, and a big thing for her is like being kind of defensive to me of like you don't understand, like you're just so busy living your life, you know, and. It's funny because I had a real fear as a child of like people having mental breakdowns or like midlife crisis. Like that freaked me and out. I was you like, You about it somewhere or because? Yeah, it was a big thing, I feel like, in the 80s. like it really was. It, it was, was like, in movies it yes. w- and like these guys the coming Ferraris. home. Exactly. And their Ferrari divorcing the wife, getting a new, like this stuff. And I yes. was like, I don't want to do that. And I don't want that to happen to me. Like the fuck is that? And I was like eight asking my mom, like what happens to people? Like what? And I used to just ask her that all the time. And she would just say, you're so busy living your life. You don't know. You're not happy. Like you don't know things aren't working, you know? So in some ways it's like, I can see how with your parents, they were like, let's give it another year. Let's give it an. And then you're like, holy shit. It's been nine years, you know, like it's time. To make a decision.
1: Well, what was unfortunate is that they both framed it as it was for you. Oh, God. I know. That's a really hard one. By the way, I have a really funny story about my dad to that end because he's not allowed to listen to this podcast. But (laughs) the sad poem I read you yesterday. Yes. So I wrote this really sad poem, you guys, when I was nine. My dad just sent it to me yesterday. He's going through all his old stuff.
0: My mom is doing that too. What is with the parcels of like
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean it's so I'm, weird. I'm glad that they have stuff. Yes. My mom's like, "Oh, I'm glad he has it." Like she's like, I don't didn't have a clue. But I wrote this really sad poem about being mad how I was mad and I was really it was because I was really sad, which by the way, for a 9-year-old, like <laughs> bravo, Nina. Yeah. And my dad was like, "Oh, and then look at this funny calendar that You know your mom and I made for you, and I don't worry. I already rolled my eyes for you, but look what I wrote on my birthday. And I was like, "Oh God!" And on his birthday, this is a child's calendar. Oh my god! Okay, prepare yourselves. Yeah, it says my dad's name's birthday. If anybody cares.
0: Oh God! Oh my God! God. And I and so I I
1: wrote, please refer to poem number one for damages done. Yeah. Yeah. So my That's other wild, it was wild, and my point in saying that is not to make my dad a villain. He's not. I mean, he's no he has a lot. He's of got his own stuff, obviously. Yes, <laughs> but is to say I was not comfortable being vulnerable for a long time, and I don't like to say because of my parents because again, they're people. They're going through shit. You know. I mean, at this point in my life, I can accept that. I I couldn't for a long time, but. I am working on accepting that and it doesn't have to be okay. But I think for so long, just reading something like that and putting myself in my like little kid shoes, there is no space to to take emotional risk. Like the emotional risk was that if you upset your dad or your mom, you're going to pay double time, right? Because then they're going to, you know, go in, my dad would like go into the corner and he would pout, which was, Incredibly damaging. Yeah. For years. I mean, like my entire life, that was his like MO, right? And, and again, it's like whatever happened to him and his, his sad story and his stories. I understand. I understand. I can empathize, but it's hard to relearn and unlearn simultaneously how to take emotional risks when, when you don't know if you can do that.
0: Yeah. Like, Like, how's it if it's going to be received? I think it took me a long time to start attracting or setting up people in my life that I could be, you know, vulnerable with. I remember once, this is such a silly thing, but I don't like to go up to the bar at bars. I mean, granted, I don't even know the last time I was in a bar, but when that doesn't feel like something that could potentially give you a virus that kills you. I occasionally (laughs) could find myself in a bar. And I hate going up to the bar. I just hate dealing with it. I hate like signaling to the bartender, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, one of my oldest friends was laughing. you, You know, we were all hanging out and she was like, yeah, don't worry, banana, I got you. Like, I know you hate to go to the bar. And I was like, oh, I'd like never told you that. You know, like I'd found workarounds you know or like oh so she just picked up on it yeah and her like laughing about it and be you know and it not being a thing was this thing for me of like oh maybe I can be more honest about those things or transparent or like maybe there is space in more relationships it was such a silly thing that I was like
1: but it's not silly, right? Like, neither is spin. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Yeah, it's like that's it,
0: life. Well, it's like, it's never like the deep shit that y- you get to project these lessons onto. It never is. No. It's something basic in your day to day life that you're like, oh, that illustrated that to me. You know, like that made that obvious to me. And I started, I think, to try that a bit more. But I think. That, you know, <laughs> I was telling Nina about some stuff going on and she was like, has your mom been through a war? <laughs> <laughs> and it honestly was very fair because my mom's ability to like keep calm and carry on <laughs> is like unfucking real. And I laughed troubling. so hard. <laughs> it is, it is troubling. And I, was talking in therapy this week of like, it gives me an indication of like how much trauma there is. I said, it's weird to be coming around as an adult to like, Oh, this thing that's like, I've healed aspects of child me around it. So I see it differently. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like her shutting me down anymore because (laughs) I can self advocate, you know, and I can go, you can have your experience and I can have mine. Like, let's not, rank them you know or whatever and she's acknowledging that but her ability to just you know be like it comes up a lot about my father's death and she's like I just think you're staying in the past and I don't understand and I worry about this like holding you back and I'm like holding me back how I said to her like this past weekend I was or the weekend before I was like it says more about you that you are unwilling to just sort of (laughs) open up to the possibility my father's death, like had lifelong impact on me than it does me wanting to explore what that impact was. And she's like, Oh, you know, and you know, like with what your dad wrote on the calendar, like, no wonder, like no wonder you and I were like, let's see how much we can take care of like behind the wall and, like, let's see what we can do. I think that was part of why that Brene Brown, like, trying to outrun it, I really connected with. Because it wasn't just, like, avoiding emotional risk. I think for me, too, it was also avoiding or not wanting to compound my own wounds around being emotionally let down. I felt so let down as a kid of, like, anytime I was like... I feel this essentially. I got kind of negative feedback. It was like, you're too sensitive. You're too this. You're too that, you know, versus just like, oh. okay. And like, here's how you manage that. Or like, okay, you know, like I wasn't taught feelings are temporary. I wasn't, ta- I mean, granted, again, it's the eighties. Like, no one's talking about this stuff. It's not just like our parents failed Smell us. It's, Coke. <laughs> you know, it's a different time. So in my Instagram recently, I believe it's the 31st of August is like world like overdose day or something, building awareness around overdose. I I don't fully understand it, but I'm newer to the world of opioid addiction and learning about it as someone in my circle, that's an issue. So I really advocate about it. And it's strange before it, like this arrived on my own personal shores. I was already trained in Narcan. And for whatever reason, I've just been really fascinated with the opioid crisis because it seems so obvious. It's like, fuck the Sackler family. Fuck the doctors that overprescribed it. Like, let's keep people help. Like, it, it just seems so obvious to me. But our culture around shaming addiction in general and shaming addicts is like really interesting to me that, like, everybody wants someone to hate, kind of, well, I think, in our society. Here's
1: where vulnerable populations come in as well. Yes. And I'm not a historian, but, you know, where did crack come from?
0: Well, it found its way into impoverished neighborhoods, but right. actually, crack came a lot from the way the DEA. I know a lot about the war on drugs and that it was bullshit, but I don't know why I've always been kind of interested in drugs and the politics around them. I think because it is bullshit, but it's this thing also, too, that gets demonized that really, like, our government's been directly involved
1: in. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. It's
0: just insane. So, it's exactly. I posted in my stories, like, if no you judgment. use drugs, yeah, no judgment. Be careful. People are putting fentanyl in people, dealers, cartels are putting fentanyl in drugs because it increases addiction, you know, and it changes the high. It's a lot of different reasons, but fentanyl is incredibly dangerous. It's the number one reason why so many people are dying in the opioid crisis. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. And, <laughs> So, someone I know OD'd and thankfully lived, but OD'd because of fentanyl. I just feel really strongly about it. So, I was a little nervous about that. I felt a little vulnerable about posting about it. I was and really
1: proud of you, by the way.
0: Thank you. My DMs exploded. Oh boy. And in a great way. Oh, good people being like, I'm two years sober. Narcan saved my life. All these people that I never knew were addicts. I never knew that this had been, it was so interesting. One person I had an interaction with a few years ago and I thought something was off, but I also thought maybe they were very shy or like maybe socially, like had social anxiety, but like the energy was a little bit off and they were an addict. And I'm like, Ah, that's interesting. Okay. Mm. And then another person contacted me and they're... You know, just a ton of people sharing stories and sharing their stories about people who had died from an accidental overdose of ingesting like cocaine that had fentanyl in it and stuff like that. And I'm like, the truth of the matter is people are doing drugs like people do drugs, like especially in New York. That's where, you know, like I'm living. People do drugs like it can be a way that they're like, I I don't know. I'm not going to judge it like I smoke pot like I'm not judging it. So at this point like I said in um on Instagram I was like I'm, like I've hung up my spurs I'm old you know but I know people who do a little molly to like have fun or like oh we're going to be at the beach so I'm like It's crazy to think in our new reality, like we need to be aware of like fentanyl, you know, or like these things like I think people should be able to do a little MDMA if that's the choice they want to make. But I'm like, now we're in this new zone where it's like you should buy drug testing kits and you should be aware of it. But how does anyone know this if we don't talk about it? And I've always been a little bit more willing to be vulnerable, especially, like, I think, to be brave for other people Mm -hmm. or to, like, put something out there. But then I feel like because of, like, social media and not really, like, cancel culture, but, like... I don't know. Just things are just so fucking weird. now. I don't believe
1: in cancel culture. I think that's what white people say to like feel better about being shitty.
0: Same. I I don't really know what I think about it, to be honest. I'm like, I think it's such a myth because I'm like, who really? I mean, like there are no actual consequences.
1: And unfortunately I wish there were, but there aren't. And so cancel culture to me is something that people yell at the top of their lungs when they feel threatened by some shitty behavior that they themselves have participated in. And it's like, no, that's called a consequence That's not okay cancel yeah. culture You dumb fuck
0: And I think as also like a business owner, I get a little bit like, and I think that's something. I love it. As your business partner,
1: (laughs) I will talk about fucking politics whenever I want. I will talk about (laughs) fucking drugs whenever I want. I can't talk about drugs because I'm so naive. It's kind of embarrassing, actually, how naive I am. (laughs) I've run from drugs my entire life to the point where I've told you I've never been in a room with cocaine. Flex, <laughs> can you imagine? I worked in fashion. I lived in New York City. Like I think that's
0: really interesting. Actually,
1: as soon as I knew it, when I worked at the modeling agency, like they would. Do, oh God, we were. I remember once we were at a 16-year-old's birthday party, and a couple of the agents were in the bathroom. I mean, it was. Let's be honest. Like this girl grew up in Tribeca. Like she wasn't having a fucking Chuck E. Cheese yeah. birthday. She was like having a rave (laughs) and, but there were agents who were all drunk and shit and they were doing Coke in the bathroom. And when I heard that, I was like, what? Like, I don't know. I have this innocence to me that I myself find interesting because I feel, (laughs) (laughs) which is really all that matters, right? Because I'm so not naive. Like, yeah, I'm really not. And I make sure to honestly like look at things that I i haven't been exposed to so that i'm not in a bubble too much so where i go down these like you know spirals but i'm i'm working on it but with drugs i've just been like yeah there's something there that i just i can't be with and part of it you know obviously my dad struggled with addiction that's a big part but I, one of my friends when we were growing up her father had a problem with drugs. And I remember like he would disappear for a couple of days and nobody knew except for me. And we would like go looking for his car places and it was really traumatizing. So I think for me, I just, that was an emotional risk I didn't want to take. And also I knew that my specific energy couldn't take drugs. Like, I mean, I took Adderall like once in college to study and I was a psychopath.
0: Did you stay up for like a week?
1: No, like I literally, feel like my roommate was like, "I'm worried about you." Like it was like a Save by the Bell moment.
0: It's interesting because I could see you having ADD. Like I feel like Adderall could help. No, like no, that's so interesting. I had a horrible, horrible, and it
1: was like I was coming down. Like emotionally, I was a fucking wreck. It was bad. Yeah. And I never touched anything. Like, I smoked a lot of weed. I drank a lot of booze, but I never touched a single drug because I was like, I'm not equipped for that shit. I'll die. That's how I felt. I don't judge anybody who does them either because of many things. One of them being that I think that the reason that a lot of people have access to drugs is because, you know, our government has placed drugs (laughs) in places.
0: Well, I think a lot of the reason I have empathy with, addicts in general, is I think I'm in a real sweet spot of intelligence where I think I'm pretty smart, but I'm also not smart enough to outwit heroin. So... I've avoided a lot of that shit because I knew I would get addicted to it. I have a That's highly addictive personality. I have a highly compulsive personality that I was like, yeah, no. I mean, I remember I really, Harris Whittles, RIP who unfortunately overdosed a couple of years ago was a comedian, a comedy writer. He was like a real also like Wunderkind. I mean, he, he, Was writing on Parks and Rec, like, I want to say, like, at 30. I mean, just, like, very, 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 very smart, talented person. And if you're interested in this topic, if you're interested in, like, hearing from an addict, he did a podcast episode with Pete Holmes on, I think it's, like, You Made It Weird is the name of it. I love that name. Yeah. (laughs) In Like right after he had gotten out of rehab, he did an episode with Pete and talking about it and talking about his descent from pills into heroin. And he's like, imagine your whole body covered with a bunch of dicks and they're all coming at the same time. Oh my God, that is so graphic. So graphic, so gross. I apologize to everybody. But you're like, oh yeah, I get why you would want to immediately repeat that experience. You that know, is like,
1: literally... The most graphic thing I think anybody ever said to yeah. me. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow.
1: But again, I did not see this going here at all. <laughs> to the bag of dicks. I mean, the body of dicks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a bag of dicks. Bag a of, dicks, of dicks. Body of
1: dicks. But just drugs in general. But it's so. But appropriate. I think with, like
0: with addicts, like there's no bigger vulnerability than saying like I need help. I'm powerless against yeah. this thing, and I think like something i've been really thinking about so atusa rubenstein rubenstein she was the editor of why am i think or cosmo girl i remember her more from back in the day but then she sort of went away for a while she's a childhood sexual abuse survivor she's got a bunch of trauma and she writes a really incredible newsletter kind of unpacking that now and she talks a lot about you know when you're wondering something about yourself like why didn't I do that or huh why did I get hung up on that like when in doubt trauma you know and I have started to incorporate that a little bit more as like when in doubt like brain chemistry that a lot of times like if there's something that you don't understand about someone or you're like what is this resistance about or what is this da, da 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 our brains are really smart and they do a lot to protect us even if it doesn't like what you were saying about your clients and stuff like something that you respect is like you could be unethical and be like, I'm going to rakey this shit out of them. Like, you know, you could be powerful enough to get past their defenses. If I you know wanted the people to. would work with me if I let them, you and know it's what I mean? Not, yeah. And it, but it's not ethical and it's exactly. not really helping them. Exactly, And it's not trusting their body and brain to release things at the pace that they're ready with, yes. you know? And I think that's something to think about, like with vulnerability, like something that's really served me is doing it in baby steps. And starting, if you have a really, like if your history with vulnerability is really fraught, you know, like something I started doing was not not always trying to be likable. And if friends, for example, if we were making plans, and like, where do you want to go for dinner? Not just saying, oh, wherever, but being like, I'm really in the mood for tacos. And like knowing I'd be fine if they were like, I'm not, but at least being vulnerable, at least being honest, at least saying what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And that started to like bring down the trigger of that fear or that like, well, what if they don't give me what I want? You know, like it started to break through those old stories. It started to break through some of that, like, you know, healing related narcissism of it's all about you and what you're trying to heal. It started to like normalize some of this stuff that had been so charged for me and I'm curious because I doubt you did it in a big way even though I know you do big things but I'm curious what do you think were some of the small steps you started taking to incorporate more vulnerability
1: Mm. I try to do small things every day because I know that I like today I was thinking like are you isolating yourself and I ask myself things out loud because I feel Mm -hmm. like there's just more you know like of a mirror for me when I'm not just in my head and I don't really have a lot of old connections going. Like people have been reaching out to me and I've just like kind of not been reaching back, like not extensively, but there's a few people that I'm just like, I just don't really feel it. And for me, it's these small steps of like, you don't have to get back to that person right away. You don't have to explain yeah. yourself right now. You don't have to unpack it all because I'm so used to doing things. In a big way, that I would be like, hey, how are you? Like, here's why I don't want to talk. Like, (laughs) we should probably end our friendship. It's probably
0: (laughs) so, y'all. She's not exaggerating. She's read me these texts. Literally, that is me. Literally been like, hey, thanks for the text. (laughs) So I'm dead to you forever. Like, I'm joking, but in a nice, like, But in a nice in the next way, yeah.
1: I'm very direct <laughs> with kindness. Like, I'm just like, let's just go our separate ways forever. Like, I wish you the absolute best. And people are like, uh, like, just <laughs> like shocked. So I'm also working on not, you know, I don't like the immediacy of like, I think sometimes for me, I mean, I will never not be direct. That's part of who I am. I enjoy, I yes. like that part about me because I don't leave things undone.
0: I know for me, it's a, been a real way that I trust you, that I'm like, I know where I am with you. Always.
1: And that's something that has served me well my entire life where I can have issues with people. I like, I have no problem with confrontation. I mean, I used to actually enjoy it, which I don't at this point in my life, because that was unhealthy. (laughs) I used to love a good confrontation. And I'm an Aries, so I have fake fights in my head still all the time. I'm like, and then I'll say, and then they'll say, and it's like, Nina, you haven't talked to that person in 10 years. (laughs) 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 Oh my God. But I'm working on not, letting the walls come up so much and asking myself and being more honest, like, is this a wall? You know, like, are you just isolating yourself? Can this, do you not want to talk to this person ever again? Or do you just feel uncomfortable with, like, the distance between you? Are you feeling like you might get hurt if you say that? So you'd rather just be like, okay, I guess we're done here instead of being like, hey, it really hurt my feelings that you haven't called me in six years, you know? Or whatever. Six years is too long. Then you're definitely dead. But I hope you're alive. But...
0: (laughs) I'll be alive, but for life. me,
1: it's like that's managing emotional risk, and I have to be very honest with myself about when I'm putting walls up and when I'm trying to to push people away to avoid getting hurt, you know, and I've been hurt a lot in my life, and I'm so happy for all of it because now I know how good it feels to be on the other side of that. I mean it's still really hard, like I look at my kid walking outside of my body and I'm like. Like we were at, we just went to get a, like a quick bite at this place. It's all outdoors, and nobody was there, thank God. And then people started showing up, and I was like, "All right, let's." It's time to go. And there was a couple there with a kid about Milo's age, and she was like under the picnic table, like crawling around. And I was like, "Oh my God, she's gonna get so many germs." And I, <laughs> this is where my head went. And it wasn't a judgment. It was just like. It's hard for me to be that free because I'm worried about like, if he gets sick and when he gets sick, it makes me worried. And then also being like, please don't raise bubble boy, you know?
0: I think something that helps me and in hearing what you said, and I, as we start to wrap up, I want to offer everybody all of this stuff can be done internally. Like you don't have to, I mean, I think it's helpful to talk to someone about it, but you don't have to like announce it. And I think we all get kind of into this habit of thinking we have to like, be like, ta-da, I'm working on this wound or something like that. And something that helped me was to start self-validating and being like, you're averse to emotional risk for good reason. You know, like these things were not created for no reason. It didn't come from nowhere. You're not worried for no reason. And that helped me start to dig a bit deeper past the maybe the anxiety or the worry or the fear. Cause I think that stuff can kind of like serve almost as a cloud. And ultimately for me, like something I've been really realizing about myself is like, I kind of want to know everything. I'm not a know-it-all, but I want to know everything. I want to understand everything, you know? And so that's something for me is like, I'm always going to be asking why. So I think I got so frustrated with my own stuff and why I wasn't able to be vulnerable because I wanted to understand my why. And in accepting like, Oh, like these things came in. Oh yeah, of course. And like, yeah, of course with my history, like that really helped me be kind and compassionate to myself to then push myself a little bit harder as well. Not that you have to, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do, but I'm just saying if you want more vulnerability in your life to anyone out there who I started to realize for me, When I first went into therapy, I said I felt like my self-sufficiency had saved and protected me, but it had also put me on an island and I wanted off the island Mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to get off it, you know. And that's been my journey and story with vulnerability is that for me, I have to remind myself it's how I stay off the island, which ultimately matters to me. but acknowledging because immediately when you're going to try to do something different out of fear, you're going to kind of contract. So if you feel yourself caught between that, like, oh, I want to do this, I want to grow, I want to connect, or I want to find love or like any of these things that you need vulnerability for, but immediately you start to go like, oh, but like, what if they let me down? Or what if I, I had, <laughs> what if I meet someone terrible or whatever? That stuff's fair, but it can't be what you're in so, Service of, I think you have to acknowledge it, but you can't live by it. Maybe I don't know. I have no answers. You but do I know. throw that You do
1: out know? There. Yes, you do know, because you just said <laughs> it perfectly. I don't like when you do that.
0: <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. I, I'll devalue it. You're right. Just being you're honest, right.
1: you're yeah. like brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I don't know. But this is a perfect way to wrap up my spiel because that was what I was starting with. Something that's been. And triggering is so, like, you know, watered down, but truly triggering and honestly makes me physically angry is seeing a bunch of wellness quote people saying, choose love, not fear. And what I wanna do is break shit when I see that. And when I see it, I just wanna say, fuck you, number one. And number two, how dare you put people in your shit. And what I mean by that is, It's okay to be fucking scared. There are so many things to be afraid of in life. And I don't mean live in fear. That's very different. But denying the feelings of fear and anxiety do not make them go away. In fact, they... Create this detachment that is so severe that these people you watch them. And what I feel like is I'm watching a bunch of balloons float into fucking space. I'm like, you're gonna pop. You're going to pop because you don't belong that far out. You're here, you're a human. You're going to have love in your heart, hopefully. And you're going to have fear. And you have to be able to, we have to be able to honor. As you were saying, like, oh, I'm feeling fearful because not, I don't feel fear because I am a one with the universe.
0: Well, what these Fuck people off. are equating love to is also denial. It, it's also anti-science. And it's all <laughs> There's that, but also like, yeah. I it's mean, denial. I, it's straight up it's denial. denial. It's denial. You're not an alien. You're. It, I feel it's confident saying denying that denying their humanity. Yes. It's denying also their privilege. Yes. And it's. I mean, there's so much denial, yes. and yes. instead, it's this morality and judgment and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, bullshit, mm-hmm, and they're mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. acknowledging that their whole, you know, choose love not fear is a Major pillow tool pillowcase. Well, it's also a major tool of manipulation. It's completely, utterly cult stuff.
1: So I would yeah, say... Like
0: who wants to think they're choosing fear? No like, one. And fuck it, you. But here's...
1: The, exactly, right? And it, what it does is creates, I find, more fear in vulnerable yes. people who are like, oh no, I'm feeling fear. Well, I better choose love now. Something's wrong with me for choosing fear. It's like yeah. nothing is wrong with you. And I want to like leave that to just you know dance on air for the rest of time which i imagine this podcast will be up till the end of the world (laughs) (laughs) yes yes and your grandchildren will hear it it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) when we all live in space and our holograms come to record it again (laughs)
1: We are so happy you joined us on this. Yes. Really, this was uh, a journey.
0: This one was a journey. It's true. We love each and every single one of you. And we're glad you choose to be with us. And I don't know, not talk about like ascension symptoms. Yeah. I don't know.
1: <laughs> on that note, bye. Rounding down, <laughs> good, bye. Grounding down. Goodbye. Grounding
0: down. Ciao. That's all for today's episode. If you're interested in submitting a topic or want to submit a question for our advice episode, please join our membership community at howtobehumanpod.com. Thanks for listening and remember, we're guides not gurus.